Well, welcome back once again, everybody, to Sex and Couples Therapy with a Happy Ending Therapist. I'm Donna Harris-Richards, your sex-positive sex therapist. I'm an LICSW and a CST, Certified Sex Therapist with ASECT, American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. And uh, we're here in lovely New England, and I'm with my fantastic producer today, Vicki. Hello. Hey, Vicki. How you doing? I'm good. I'm just playing with my, my long nails, my little clackety-clack nails. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's got these gorgeous nails. They're nice. Is that like a French kind of thing? French manicure? I feel very, very fancy. It's an ombre French manicure. Oh, I don't even know about that. What's that? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's like instead of just a really hard line for the for the white, it kind of like fades down. Ooh. They're just press-ons. I thought they were fun. I'm in a wedding this week, so. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. You were just reminding me when I was like 12, I used to take scotch tape and stick it on my fingernails. Did you ever do that? And cut it and then paint it? It was like. I never did that. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. In the 70s, we had to get really creative. We didn't have ombre French. Well, they have those stickers now. Stickers? They have manicure stickers that you can just, it's, you just pop it on your nail and it, it, bonds to your nail and it's just like regular nail polish in sheet form Mm, i'll send you the link that's it's really easy to do yeah i like fun because you know over here we like to play right and have pleasure so let me just quickly digress to the mission right of sex and couples therapy is to help individuals couples and families embrace and integrate fun and pleasure and sex positive thinking into daily life for optimal health including sexual health and wellness so we go for annual mammograms gynecological exams and prostate exams for physical sexual health, we owe ourselves checkups on the emotional and mental aspects of sexual health for optimal health and wellness. And really what that means is just pleasure and positivity and putting positive neurons in those neural pathways and plan fun stuff with your partner or on your own or with your family or whatever it may be. So it makes life better. So yeah, send me the link. That'd be great. I will. Fun with nails. Um, yeah, so that's not completely unrelated because we were talking about mom guilt in our previous podcast. And I want moms to have fun and downtime and enjoy and, um, you know, lower their stress level and anxiety so they can just be good models to their, you know, kiddos, right? Their daughters and sons. And it's a good thing. So we were talking about um, reasons why mom guilt happens. You know, there is this sort of societal expectation or pervasive cultural norm that's developed uh, for this mom guilt, or, and it's related to the good mother role, right? This idea that, you know, look, people want to do well. They want to be good moms. They want to be good dads. Um, but I think this idea of, of having to be this perfect good mother carries guilt and shame. And that's a heavy load. That's a heavy burden for people, um, you know, particularly for young mothers, Right. It's kind of this unrealistic ideal. Um, And again, you know, the anxiety is sort of based in fears of making mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes. You know, remember that quote that I said last time about the Maya Angelou quote about how it doesn't really matter what we do in the end. What people remember is how we made them feel. So, you you know, your kids know that you love them and you care about them. And so, you know, the, the other thing I, I should have mentioned last time, Vicki, that I didn't is I think it's important to make mistakes in front of your kids. 
you know, that way kids realize they can make mistakes. And you can even say, wow, I made a mistake. I work with couples about this kind of thing all the time in families where parents can say, you know, that was a mistake. Um, you know, I need to redo this now. <laughs> uh, and and let's sort of go at this again, right? Um, you know, and I... It also... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was no. going to say it also takes the... I don't know if stigma is the right word, but it, it takes a takes the pressure off of making mistakes, right? So I feel like that if the more open that parents are when with their kids about making mistakes, whether it be something simple like getting a recipe wrong or spilling something or if it's something big like, you know, say a parent got very frustrated and may have raised their voice when they shouldn't have and they're you're like, hey, you know what? Mom got upset. She shouldn't have spoken like that. I'm really sorry. Like really like I was saying before, breaking down all of those those things that are – I feel like that just makes it a better relationship with your kids, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I was in a store yesterday. This You're just reminding me of this as we're talking about this. I was just thinking, kids are smart, right? I mean, they know what's going on, and they're very in tune with what's happening with parents. So as I'm working with couples um, and families, you know, I'm always recommending that couples have a plan, have something to look forward to where you're going to have fun with each other as as partners, right? And then you can also plan, you know, family time as parents with your kids. But I was in this store yesterday and there was this little boy, he must have been eight or nine, and there was a woman in a wheelchair and she was, you know, sort of wheeling herself around the store and I could tell she needed help. So I asked her what she needed and I reached in and got some frozen stuff for her. And she said, you know, tonight's one of those nights it's hot and I, you know, I'm just going to have a frozen dinner. And I was like, oh, that's great. You know, and then I said, do you need anything else? And she said, well, I need some juice over here. <laughs> and I couldn't really find what she was looking for. And this little eight or nine year old boy with the brightest smile, so adorable, um, said, uh, kid just came over and cut was looking for the juice, like all on his own. And I'm like looking around for his mom. And I'm thinking, is she his mom? I, I don't think so. And he grabbed the juice that she wanted. He found it before I did. She wanted like a six pack of cranberry or orange or whatever. <laughs> and then I, we, I walked over and he was sort of running behind me and then ahead of me to his mother. I realized this is his mom. Um, and I said, wow, that was really great. Good, good job, buddy. Thanks for helping because I've actually broken my wrist and my wrist is sore. So by you picking that stuff up, that was really helpful to, to both of us. And I turned to his mom and said, you know, he's a, a little superhero, this guy. And he said, yeah, look how strong I am. And he started to put his arms up and make a muscle. And <laughs> it was just so cute. So it just goes back to this idea that people are good. They want to do well, right, from the time of being little tykes to being adults. And I think we end up putting too much pressure on ourselves to be perfect. And I really want to give the message to moms um, to start to let go of that. It's really important. Your children need to see you as as real. You know, you can get real with your kids, right? I made a mistake. I, you know, your your other parent and I, you know, messed this up, and you know, we're gonna fix that now. We're involve you in the conversation, or gonna get a little bit more. Uh, what's the word? Sort of create more boundaries so that we know what works and what doesn't work, and we like your input, but that doesn't mean your your word goes. Yeah, it's complicated, but anyway. It's all a transition and it's all messy and icky and hopefully we can accept that it is that and just treat ourselves kindly. You know, we talked about that study and the study that was done by the two women in uh, Manitoba, Canada. Um, one of their names again. Sorry, i got to turn to my paper here. Um, 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 
Cindy Lynn Miller and Shaylin Strahan from University of Manitoba, you know, did this study of 143 young mothers and found that the most effective way to combat the stress and anxiety is to utilize self-compassion in a variety of ways. And we're going to talk about that today a little bit more. Um, yeah, so motherhood is a time of enormous transition, of course, not only for mom, but for, you know, dad or partner. Uh, maybe there's two moms raising children. Um, and it just brings big changes, you know, in, in how you navigate your time and, you know, work and career, if that's happening, personal time, um, your partnership, all that. Um, and so mom guilt plays into a self-conscious experience of distress, particularly shame and guilt, as I mentioned, you know, where moms often put others first. And so the good mother role, right, or, or it's sort of associated with the opposite, which is bad mother. If there's good mother, there must be bad mother, which implies kind of a moral failing, right, or wrongdoing. So we want to kind of start to uh, work up, chip away at this. Um, and, you know, some of the ways to do that are, as we started um, to, to touch on before, you know, c connect with other moms, right? Get support. Um, join a mom group. Um, get the normalization. Get a therapist. Get, uh, you know, get folks who are going to support you in this idea that what you're going through is difficult. It's challenging. Um, it's like starting a new job, right? I mean, there's always this transition. So, you know, take a deep breath, right? Mindful breathing, really important. Um, that's not the be-all and the end-all. It helps. Um, give yourself a break, right? And and also this idea and, and some of this stuff I'm, I'm taking from uh, this great blog I found online by Erin Etow, PhD. It's called betterup.com. So if you want to just kind of, you know, look at something quickly online and get some support, this, this is nice. Um, she talks about uh, identifying the source. So and I talk about this with couples all the time. If if you know how you feel, like if you know what the feeling is, that sort of tells you what you're needing, right? So if you're feeling exhausted, maybe you need a nap. If you are feeling sad, uh, maybe you're missing something and you need to connect with that, whether it's a person or a thing, or maybe you're missing adult conversation time, right? Phone a friend, you know, figure out what is the feeling and, and not to sit in the feeling forever because because the feeling is is as important as then the doing right so I think I've told this story before when I turned 50 um you know everything got really great after I turned 30 20s are like a time of transition from 30 and 40 on life just got better and better and better but when I turned 50 I was sad on my birthday and I couldn't figure out why I thought, well, because I'm turning 50, but I was still feeling good and healthy and all that. And it's because I realized my birthday is in winter and I want it to be somewhere warm. So every year now I'm somewhere warm on my birthday and I've never felt that sad since. <laughs> and it's been 10 years, people. So let the feeling guide you to know what you need. That's one silly story. But um, yeah, so so it's identify the source. I don't think it's, I actually don't think it's silly. I think it's, a, I think it's a really good, it's important. Yeah. Yeah, and what you need may be different than what your partner needs or what your family needs, but you're just as important as everybody else. Because you're a member of your family. Correct. Just because you're a mom, like you're you're a member of your family the same way that everybody else is a member of your family. That's right. That's right. And I often tell partners of moms, um, if you help out more, Eve Rotsky, fair play, buy the book, buy the game, it's a game. 
um, you will have more access to your partner who is mothering and who is tired and who is being pulled in one million directions. Help out as much as possible. Everybody can help out. Um, you know, you do not want to be catering. Sorry, I'm just going to say this. You do not want to be catering to your children that for whatever reason, you know, they shouldn't be like bringing dishes to the sink. No, everybody needs to do their job, right? My mom was just talking about this the other day. She was she was talking to somebody about when we were kids. We started making our lunches when we were, I don't know, I think I was in first grade making my lunch for school the next day. And, you know, my brothers too, like we were all making our lunches at a relatively young age because there was three of us. And my mom's like, no, no, everyone's going to make their lunch and take, you know, she's like, I am working. Your dad's working. We can't just, (laughs) there's not enough hours in the day. And so we all made our lunches at a really young age. And and somebody was saying to my mom, I guess, we're all older now. I'm 30. My brother's 28. My other brother's 26. And they're like, wow, that was so progressive for when they were growing up. And my mom was like, no, it was just, it, it saved time. It taught them skills and it gave me a break like it was just I wasn't trying to be progressive I was trying to do what was right for everybody yeah no that's incredibly brilliant of her because it, it oftentimes I'm talking to couples oh I'm so delighted to hear that great um I love your mom so I'm talking to families about uh sort of the the tasks of daily living I mean it's she, she was very pragmatic and and sort of practical minded and it sounds like it worked yeah. How would no, you... she helped us? I wasn't well, like, a, uh, I wasn't in first grade yeah. by myself, like figuring out. She was like, you know, like she'd help, but she'd yeah. be like, okay, now we're going to make, now you're going to make their sandwich. Like, what do you want in your sandwich? Get what you want out of the fridge. Like all those types of things. So well, how do you think that helped you like as an adult? What What do you think that that? We're, we're all very independent adults. Yeah. Great. <laughs> like very, very independent adults. You, so. you know how to do for yourself. Yeah. 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 And if I don't know how to do it, I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. Oh, I just think that's great. Yep. So yeah. so back to this idea of identify the source, know what you need. You, maybe you need a break. Maybe you need a nap. I'm working with one of my clients around, you know, just saying to her husband, hey, I'm exhausted. I'm going to take a nap. Hope that's cool with you. And he says, you bet. No worries. Sure. And if he says, you know, look, can you wait a little bit because I need you to help me with this? Fine. But this is good, clear communication, you know. Um sex time with your partner you know maybe you need some stress relief uh and you want to just like get together with your partner or solo sex you know stress relief can be you know self-touch you know have an orgasm or not or just feel pleasure or be with your partner or you know make a date or uh, you know just sensually just sort of chilling out whatever that is um and again we talked about you know self-compassion right Focus on your strengths. You know that thing about how, you know, think about three things to be grateful for? Think about two or three of your strengths because we so easily forget that. You know, you're only as good as your last bad review, right, for actors and performers. Well, you know, if somebody (laughs) complains about us, then we're like focusing on that. You know, mom's in the grocery store and the kiddo was crying and they're feeling terrible about themselves. And, you know, then it's like anything. We ruminate Actually, the reason we ruminate on things is so that we often don't feel our feelings. So we're sort of focusing on these thoughts to as a way of just kind of getting through the day when it's okay that the kiddo cried and people looked at you. They're probably looking at you saying, oh boy, I remember when. 
or wow, ooh, just I hate that when that happens and that's happened to me and I really feel for her. So uh, let's see, there's that and, oh yeah, challenging negative beliefs, right? So this is all part of sort of cognitive behavioral therapy where, you know, you really want to look at what's the evidence for thinking in this way that I'm thinking, that I'm a terrible mom because I'm not perfect, right? See Bad Moms, everybody, if you haven't. I know these movies are old by now, but Mila or Mila Kunis and Susan Sarandon and, oh, it's so great. It's sort of this... <laughs> I love them. They, they're hysterical. There's Bad Moms and then there's Bad Moms Christmas. I don't know if there are any others, but it's sort of this push-pull between, you know, who am I as a woman versus who am I as a mom? And, you know, the pull towards sexuality and sensuality and enjoyment and pleasure versus, you know, having to sort of be this responsible human for another human. It's tough. It's tough stuff. But you're both. You're all of those things, right? You're a daughter, you're you know maybe a, a wife or a you know committed partner. You're a mom. You're a you're a you're a sexual being, as I like to say, right? Sexuality is the is at the core of the human experience. So, you know, enjoy your sensuality, have pleasure, passion. You, you can be a great mom and still go out with your girlfriends. You know, you can be a great mom and still go on a trip without the kids. You can still be a great mom and need a break. All of those things. It's not. One doesn't depend on the other. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, and single moms, I think, you know, that's challenging too if you're trying to sort of date or meet someone. And I meet and, you know, see single moms. I have friends who are single moms. And, you know, they, again, really want to do the right thing. Um, This idea that you want to date somebody for a period of time, let's call it six months or so, before you feel maybe like, okay, this, this is somebody I might like to spend you know, I don't know, potentially a relationship with, and then maybe bring them in to, to meet the children at some point. But, um, you know, again, most people really try to do a good job, but you don't, you don't have to sort of uh, sacrifice one for the other. You can be a good parent and have a good time. So other things, uh, prioritize self-care, right? We talked about this in the, in the last uh, podcast about how it's important to schedule time for yourself. You know, if, if you like getting a mani-pedi or you like going to the gym or you like taking a nap or you have a favorite TV show or you want to call your best friend, downtime is important for imagination and creativity. It just is going to make you a happier person, better at all the things that you want to do, like to do, all that stuff. Another thing is just this idea of sort of I think we've we've talked about this a bit, but listening to your intuition. Um, this is one of those things that Dr. Etow talks about, which I agree with, is listen to your intuition. If something is telling you that something doesn't feel right or is nagging at you or feels like, ooh, maybe I should try that thing, go for it. Right? I mean, your intuition is your gut, and your gut is often right on. I mean, sometimes it's not. <laughs> You can challenge your gut. If, you, if your gut is saying, my partner should read my mind or know what I want, well, no, that, that's not true. But um, for yourself, if you're needing or wanting something, uh, listen to your intuition. Okay. Oh, let's see, other ways to take care of yourself. Again, with the family system, you know, again, if you've got mm, child care resources, right, if you've got um, folks who want to help, you know, take advantage, you know, let them come over. It's very important for kids to have time with their other family members and their grandparents and whatnot. And if that seems acceptable and, and all of that feasible to you, great. 
go for it. Um, I think it's very difficult. I see couples quite often where they don't have those resources. They don't have family close by. They don't, they haven't found somebody yet who they feel like is dependable to sit with the kids. That's challenging. But once you find it, oh, go for it. Because it'll get the kids used to being with other people and not with you all the time. And that's good for them. Helps them adapt, right? Um, let's see, what else? Oh, surround yourself with positive people, please. <laughs> you know, we talked about sort of judgy folks. Yeah, get get far away from that. Yeah. <laughs> as far as you can. So, you know, this idea of connecting with others who who support you and who validate you, like you were talking in the our last podcast, Vicki, about, you know, folks who understand because they've been there, done that, right? They've raised, you know, Yeah, 19 they've raised kids children. before, like 17. I come from a huge, very big Lebanese family, so there's a million and 17 of us at any given point in time. And, you know, my mom always said when she had first had me, because I'm the oldest, she'd just rely on her cousins. She'd call her cousins. And they were supportive. They're like, this is normal. You have one kid. Like, you wouldn't know this. This is your first kid. Like, we know this because we've had multiple children. Here's what we've learned. Take what works for you. Leave what doesn't. And that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And kids are resilient. They're just much more resilient than we realize. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll bounce yeah. back, you know, if they if they they fall or they learn something or obviously not if, you know, anything super bad happens. But for the most part, they'll figure it out. They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So take time off. Really important. <clears throat> it's another thing. And I think people just don't think, you know, they go, oh, parenting is a 24 seven job. And it is. However, um, it is very important to just, you know, get away uh, for yourself, with your partner. You you've just, you just cannot, it's like, imagine trying to have a life without sleeping. You become delirious, you end up in the hospital. <laughs> you know, you just can't do it. You have to have rest. So think about taking breaks like as important as it is to get sleep or rest. You know, there's no way that we can be rejuvenated or have energy if, if we're not rested. So breaks are important. I love rest. I love naps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, and people feel guilty about naps, but I'm encouraging people to take naps all the time. Um, my grandmother, when every, whenever my grandmother would watch us, every afternoon we would all take a nap. <laughs> Aww. Was she Lebanese? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She was, so we would take a rest. It would be after lunch. Mm-hmm. And we would power. Everything would power down. We would take a. Everyone would take a, a quick nap. Mm. Everyone would rest, and then we would go about the rest of our day. <laughs> yeah. So the, I I can't help but imagine that this is the cultural influence, right? I mean, people here Probably. know that I that I spend time in Greece, and <clears throat> excuse me, even going down to you know Latin countries, Mexico, etc. Everybody in the afternoon takes a nap. They take a break, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, from say whatever two to five, whatever the whatever the culture is, the country wherever they are. Napping is a very important part of many cultures. Yeah, take a break, reset your day, so you can you know go with about the rest of your day with fresh mind and some energy. Yeah, fresh mind, body. Yep, absolutely. 
So good. Um, yeah. The, another thing is, you know, seek a therapist, seek a, either a therapist for yourself or a family therapist who can help you sort of negotiate how things can go better in your, you know, coupling, your family life. You know, like <laughs> your mother is an excellent example, Vicki, of, you know, there, actually there was a thing in the New York Times maybe a couple of years ago, pre-COVID about, yeah, teach your oldest about lunch making um yeah. breakfast making and then have them kind of teach the ones down the line it's good for them it's good for you yeah so i love that she did that that's really <laughs> really cool really cool i don't yeah. remember my mom doing that but I, I think that that's really cool um and then let's see what else oh yeah so so dr itao talks about um adopting conscious parenting so if you haven't heard of this idea of conscious parenting, it's a, a technique, she says, that encourages parents to use mindfulness and emotional intelligence instead of reactivity. So that's a big part of my work, you know, talking with people about how, how to better respond rather than react, right, like knee-jerk reacting. So now look, we all get upset, we all react at times, but you can develop yourself at getting better and better at responding versus reacting, right? Know that you can zip the lip, take a breath, you know, how are you going to feel later if you react versus, thought, versus thoughtfully respond? You're likely going to feel better later, right? How do you want your story to unfold? How do you want your novel or movie to end? You want to be kind, empathic, all of that. And also, uh, oh, I was going to say this in the last podcast and I forgot. I was saying there were a couple of elements that leads to a good outcome. One is empathy and the other is the desire to create something better. The desire for change and knowing that change happens within oneself is key to change for families or change for moms, you know, too. Um, so <laughs> the conscious parenting thing is kind of cool because it talks about parenting oneself. Yeah. <laughs> right? So be kind to yourself. You know, know that, that it's likely okay that your partner wants to know how they can help. You know, and if you don't... And it's okay to tell them. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I see this happen a lot with couples where one partner is saying, please tell me, I, I want to know what I can do. You know, and then the, the mom or the a partner is, is saying, oh, it's really, really hard for me. But this is the benefit of family therapy is that during the visit or the session, you know, people are being encouraged to, to talk and to say out loud what they're needing and wanting. And I say, look, let's just try this as an experiment and see what happens. And before you know it, you know, Things are starting to feel better because they're getting more of what they're needing and wanting. A lot of times for people, they know what they need and want. It's sort of, there's this internal dialogue going on, but it's hard for it to come out of the mouth and pass through the lips <laughs> um, for a myriad of reasons. Um, but this, yeah, this conscious parenting thing is, is kind of interesting. So feel free to look at that. Um, you know, she says, when you manage your own feelings better, you're less likely to react in ways that lead to feelings of guilt later on. Right. So we don't want to compound the guilt. Um, and I wanted to touch a little bit on uh, step families, like the patterns of development in blended families, you know, or step families. That's very challenging. Um, and I, I have seen uh, blended families where what is so sweet to see, and sometimes it can be very um, short-term work is getting folks through certain stages and it's really sweet to see uh, stepmoms for example um, wanting to be the best mom to their you know 
stepkids, so to speak, right? They just want to be really good. So um, it's important for families, blended families, to be aware of the stages. So the average cycle for a step family or blended family is about seven years. I know that sounds like a long time, but to get things going in a way that's very productive or constructive. Um, faster families can take about four. Uh, sometimes it can take as long as 12. Um, so family systems therapy is very important if you're having difficulty negotiating sort of the roles that folks play and um, this idea of how those tasks of daily living can go. I remember seeing a step family once and we only had, I don't know, maybe a few sessions, but um, one of the daughters felt like she was sort of being given more work than her stepsister around the house, a little bit of a Cinderella story. Um, and just coming and opening up and, and, you know, the adults allowing her to say what she needed and then really hearing her and listening to her and changing things was terrific. And they were gone pretty quickly and um, they, they seemed to have a very good outcome. So, um, you know, being able to open up and listen and doesn't mean the kids always, ha you know, have the last word and they shouldn't and they don't. But, you know, it is important to hear them and, and talk about what's what's bothersome to each person and based on what they're feeling and then what they need and what you can do differently going forward so that the whole system can, can work better. Um, so some of the stages are, you know, early stages are the fantasy stage. Um, this is kind of when adults yearn to heal the pain created by the divorce or the death. Um, you know, there's the sort of, then there's the, uh, that's, that's the first part of the early stages. L later parts are kind of the immersion stage um, where, you know, the family members are sort of dealing with the new structure. Uh, step parents encounter strong feelings from, you know, the kids, resentment, confusion. Oh, it's, it's difficult. Um, and then there's the awareness stage where kind of step families or blended families begin to sort of put names on painful feelings. And that could be very helpful. Because uh, we, ha we have to, sometimes the only thing we have is language, right? We have to be able to say this hurts or makes me sad. Um, you know, I'm angry is an, is an easy one, but to be able to talk about the pain or the sadness underneath is, I think, much more effective and we can hear people better if we get really what's going on for them. Later, late, later middle stages are like the mobilization stage. Um, and then finally getting to later stages like the contact stage kind of gives the family its honeymoon at last, so to speak. And all of this I'm referring to is by Patricia Pepper now. So she's a real expert at blended families. So folks, you know, look her up. Uh, she's terrific. Um, yeah, so it, it, it does happen. Uh, families do blend, but it takes time. And I think people need normalizing of what's going on. So, Absolutely. so, so moms, you know, again, you're, you're doing, you're doing great. Just know that you don't have to be perfect. Um, good enough is good enough. Some people refuse to believe that, but um, you know, that's okay when they're, when they're ready, then maybe they end up shifting some of those core beliefs and that's good. And use technology to your advantage. You know, we were talking about kin keeping before like that. Oh yeah. Tell me that, more. Um, Let's talk about kin keeping. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this concept of strengthening relational ties and you know, the work that goes into it. So whether that be remembering birthdays or remembering yeah. somebody's favorite ice cream flavor or all that kind of stuff. One of the things that you can do to help with that, because a lot of times, um, traditionally, that falls on the mom 
to remember the birthdays, remember to buy the birthday gift and the card or, Mm. you know, to call somebody on their birthday, things like that. Yeah. So something that the article that I was reading um, said to do is use technology. Like I live and die by my Google calendar. It is my best friend. I have everyone's birthdays in there. We get an alert. Set up a family Google calendar where you can literally put somebody's birthday in there with Mm. a reminder of you know, what their favorite ice cream flavor is or, you know, what their current preferences are. I saw something, mm. you know, online a couple of weeks ago and I've, I've been starting to do it and it's so helpful um, for when you just want to do something nice for somebody. But mm-hmm. if I have a friend or, you know, my mom or somebody in my family or my fiance or something that says, you know, making a note of what their favorite ice cream flavor is or their coffee order or if there's mm. something that they've really been into lately or, you know, what they like what they don't like, things like that. Just put it in the Google calendar under their birthday or in their contact notes in your phone. And then you have a nice little repertoire of all the things for the people. So say, hey, you know, Susie's birthday party is on Saturday at 1 p.m. Everybody in the family gets the alert, you know, the day before. Hey, we have Susie's birthday tomorrow. We have to pick up a gift. We have to pick up a card. Who's going to do it? You know what I mean? So it's like putting all of that information in to to take the pressure off one person. Ooh, sorry about that. My dad's calling me. Well, that's because you're so popular, Vicky. You're so popular. (laughs) Take take the pressure off one person Yep. um, and put it on, you know, Mm -hmm. spread the wealth, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I, I, so that's free. Is the Google calendar free? Yeah. Google calendar is free as long as you have a Google account, but if you have an iPhone or an Android phone, you have the same types of, um, Mm. This like Apple has like the iCalendar. It's the same thing. You can invite people to it. So yeah. Yeah. I, I use something that I actually pay a few bucks for. It's called birthdayalarm.com. Oh. And so, you know, you just put in like those p- important people when their birthdays are and they send you an email at so-and-so's birthday, so-and-so's anniversary, like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. On they- your, so if you have, if you have an iPhone, yep. there's um, fields in oh, okay. in a contact in somebody's phone where it says yes. their anniversary, their birthday, and then That's you'll right. get like a nice little That's alert. Right. So. Yeah, imagine they have that with Android phones as well in some way. I think so. I Apologies know, but... to the Android users out there. I'm an iPhone person, so I'm I not know. really sure. Yeah, me too. Sorry, folks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was interesting and something to mm-hmm. take some pressure off of one person so that it's, you know, mm. not on one person to just have everything in their brain. Yeah. And look for the you know for the moms and the and the dads out there, um, for the dads or the partners of moms maybe other moms right, um, think about win win, right. So if you're really um, uh, willing to help your partner, um, that's great. You can think about that as a win for the relationship, right. So if your partner says I need to get to the gym or I need an hour of downtime or I need a nap, um, don't think of that as a win for your partner and you lose. Think of it like it's a win for the relationship. And then you can ask for the next win. Look, you you had a great nap. You know, would you mind if I run to the gym? Or would you mind if I took a nap now? So that's these are some of the little ideas and ways of shifting thinking that I work with folks around. Um, that could be really helpful for everybody. All right. So I would say that we're going to wrap up for today. Um, and again, I'm, I'm just going to have moms remember that oxygen mask on the airplane idea and that unknown quote about the quote that we started out with, which is, you know, I cannot pour from an empty cup. So if my cup is not full, I, I got nothing. Just like, you know, if that once that airplane, that mask comes down, you know, you must take it first. Otherwise, you cannot help anyone else. So breathe, moms. You're doing fine. 
was very nice to be with you all today. We will see you next time. If you would like to call the office, feel free, 508-990-9909. And if you want to find us on Facebook, we are at the Sex and Couples Therapist. And on Instagram, the Happy Ending Therapist. And the beautiful website that my wonderful team has created is www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a great month, year, life, and uh, remember to always have pleasure and play and passion. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.